We are live. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read, and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration and learning to the entrepreneurs and founders that we work with. And we start by saying a quick hello to Mr. Anthony Enright. Hi, Ben. Hi, Alex. Hello, hello, and to Mr. Alex Moore. Hello. Nearly caught me with a gulping chug of uh, gulping tea there. Not very professional. Sorry, guys. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> That's enough. Um, so this week, uh, the stories we've shared um, with each other and uh, all seem to have a bit of a theme um, that we've entitled, There's a Time and There's a Place. So a series of little connected bits of experience around time uh, and around places uh, that we thought were inspiring and Edifying. And I believe we're going to start this week with a story from Anthony Enright, who's seen something that he thought spoke to time and place. I have seen something and um, it's fascinating. And I love being out and about and working with different organisations and spending time with them. It's just you learn so much and you can take so much on. And one of the things um, that I've really noticed is that is that we talk a lot and I talk a lot with organisations about a number of different elements and core foundation elements. And one of those core foundational elements for their business is the North Star. Some people call it a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Some people call it a BRAG, a big, radical, audacious goal. Other people just call it a North Star or or their long-term goal. And what I like to do is I I like to be really um, aspirational um, with these and really far-reaching so they feel like they're out of reach And really hard to get to because ultimately what we know to be true is that if we set ordinary type goals, um, yeah, we'll probably hit them. But do people get really excited about them? Whereas if we set really, and I'll coin the term, audacious goals, then actually it gets people talking. It gets people questioning how we're going to achieve it. And one of the organisations that I work with has set a North Star um, and it's about 12, 12 and a half years away. And it was... Um, presented to some new people, new people had entered the senior leadership team and it was presented to them. And immediately their heads were blown. It was fantastic. It was They were really excited, but they were just like, I don't even know where to start. And I don't mind and I'm happy with those conversations, but we've got to get to the next step. We've got to work out what's the next step. So even if we've got a thousand steps in order to get there, what's the first step or the next step we're going to take? And then somebody out of nowhere just went, actually, that's 50 quarters. And the whole room just calmed and went, ah, we've got 50 quarters to do that. Because we work very much on a quarter by quarter cycle, so we we look to understand what it is they're looking to achieve and improve or transform within their business per quarter. It's like, we've got 50 quarters to do this. Actually, this is really achievable. So... Ultimately, it's really about slicing up the time, just the simplicity of breaking things down, slice up the time. And honestly, everyone in the room, as soon as somebody, the individual said 50 quarters, everyone calmed and went, oh, OK, what are we going to do this quarter then to start working toward that? And honestly, they've come up with something that is so simple, but so vital and certainly wouldn't have got done 
otherwise. All the, one of those tasks that would be, oh, we'll get onto that, we'll get onto that. It's really important, but they'll never, nobody would ever prioritise it. But because they broke it down and said, what's the next step? They sliced the time up. What's the next step to get there? This fantastic priority came out for the quarter, which is going to really, really cement their ability to, 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 to go to the next step in quarter two out of 50. So again, always quite a simple solution. And I just wanted to share it with you. Alex, what do you think? Like this one. And I'm a big fan of breaking things down in this way, both in the businesses I'm connected to and my own personal life. And I have a goal for what I want my life to look like at 65. I've shared this with both of you. Um, And then that goes down to what my, in order for my life to look like, this at 65 what's it need to look like at 60 what's it need to look at look like at 55 down down down. and then i break it down by quarter for the next year ahead and then by month and i'm the the power of writing that down so much like a visualization has been a bit of a game changer for me so i like that and also i'd like to add to another thing i'm a big fan of this and i can see why it works i i've the 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 magic that putting a deadline on things has as well to just get people to stop drifting and going guys this is what's going to happen and one of the businesses i'm connected to we were talking about that there's a project that they're working on and it's just drifting and i was like what's the deadline oh it could be here you know the beginning of feb it's like that's it was the beginning of january three months ago can we have a deadline please and there it's like okay uh the eighth yeah great right let's do it suddenly People fall into place and off we go. So, yeah, it's interesting how time is packaged. That's what I'm taking away from this, how time is packaged to to, to simplify the whole thing and to focus. So that that's my thought. Ben, you probably have something far more profound than that to say. <laughs> I have something less uh, profound, oh, really? actually. The, 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 the thing that occurred to me when I shared this story, first of all, was I remember um, encouraging an unruly six-year-old child into bed. And, and the tactic that was most powerful was to start counting down. 10, 9, 8, 7. <laughs> and, and it would just prompt this reaction. <laughs> Never got to zero. Never got to zero <laughs> because um, of that psychological response. And I know we all like to think we're very grown-up adults, but there's something about a countdown, isn't there? What's going to happen at zero? It's going to be something exciting. The rocket will lift off. The rocket... The, 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 you know, some, there will be some consequence of that ticking clock. So I was very struck by that in terms of not only um, absolutely the, 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 the power of giving that sense of runway, but also how motivating. Um, I'm reminded of that story of the, um, the manufacturing plant where they, um, they had a, a 24-hour shift, two 12-hour shifts a day. And um, after one shift... Uh, one of the teams just wrote a massive number six, which is because that's how many products they'd created. I don't know what these products were, something quite complicated, I imagine, for a team to only make six of them in 12 hours. Um, And they just wrote a massive six at the front door. And um, the next day when that shift came back, there was a seven (laughs) on there. And again, sometimes I think those, giving people that tangible sense of, of, of a number and watching it change and that, being really meaningful is very powerful um but equally the the, the power of planning too i 
I tip my hat. That was Bethlehem Steel, by the way, Ben. Bethlehem Steel. Bethlehem Steel. Yeah. There we Very are. good. I, what were they making? I don't know. What can you make six of? In <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Better God, than big. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what I love about both of those is, is just them putting sort of a caveat around those about the, the, the six or seven and the deadline is, is you've got to have a plan, right? So if you're going to go from six to seven or seven to eight, like you want to make sure the quality, you maintain the quality, right? We just don't get pace. And I think, Alex, with your deadline, it's about, yeah, yeah, we want to hit the deadline, but we, we need a plan. So how are we going to hit that deadline? What are we going to do first? What are we going to do second? What are we going to do third? When are we going to check in? So just 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 putting a little bit on top to say, right, how are we going to get there? What's going to suffer Always if we get to Anthony eight? Anthony and right to be the adult I'm in the room. I'm sorry. I just had to. <laughs> just had, yes, it all sounds good. Yeah, it all sounds good. But what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, well, on that note, um, we need to move on, don't we, to a red. And Alex, I think I'm handing handing the baton over to you. Sure. It's a, a, a article from The Economist, which I love, and it's about Disney. They are 100 years old this week. Remarkable. What a remarkable bit. You know, Steamboat Willie, uh, what a, you know, that was all those years ago. And what this thing has, has turned into, this enormous business. Um, how many times it's reinvented itself, how many problems it's overcome. And to get to 100 years is is quite an amazing sort of achievement, I think. And to still be so dominant in its field, um, I think its, its subscription service has, I, I think, I, it might be wrong, but it, it has more than Netflix. It's, it's quite remarkable how well it's doing. And it just made me think about, you know, time and timelines. And, you know, I, I just remembered something I read a long time ago about the oldest company in the world. Um, I couldn't remember its name, but I've subsequently looked it up. It's called Kongo Gumi, Japanese, 1578. <laughs> it was uh, it was formed. Um, that's 1,445 years ago. It's just, you know, and it just made me think, as a founder, what's your timeline? Would you Would you be proud if your business was around in 100 years? Um, does it need to be? There was another article in The Economist I read about Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, and you know he's getting quite old now. And The Economist's counsel was, well done, Warren, brilliant, but why don't you just shut it down and uh, give the investors their money back and say what a journey that was. And I thought that's interesting. I thought that's a good one to debate with the guys. Timelines. You know, what's your thoughts? Do you need one? Do you want to have a 100-year vision? Do you want to have a 200-year vision? Do you want to have a 1,445-year vision? Does it matter? Should you think about it or should you just worry about the here and the now? Who wants to who wants to take that one on? I'll have a go. It's a very interesting point. Um, I, the, the, where it takes me straight away is, is, to, is to culture, actually. Because I don't think... I don't think there's any business model um, that, particularly in the world as we live in it now, that that can last that long. So therefore, what is it? Um, and Disney's a great example because I, I have done little bits of work with Disney myself in the past, in former lives. And the thing that's extraordinary is the culture. Um, it, it is a culture that attracts inventors, innovators, creatives. And of course, that's, Probably, I don't, I don't know the Japanese example you shared. You may say, no, nope, they've been selling apples for 1,500 years and they're still selling apples now. I don't know. 
but for me it's the transformation in what that organization actually is and the shape of it over time so where's that come from what it's come from um ultimately that vision and that culture and that beacon of attraction it's been um for the talent to continually reinvent it um, and a brand and all that sort of stuff so i wonder if it's about that should you have a 1500 year vision (laughs) no (laughs) i don't think you should yes i I think people would laugh at you um but i do think you can have a vision that describes the world that describes how your company is going to improve the world or the world it's a it's like that old 1950s advertising thing where they stopped selling you a product they start selling you the world you could live in if this was a real thing and i do think how we communicate our vision now needs to be much more about that we're not necessarily talking about a vision for oh it's going to be the best product in the world and people are going to love it we're talking about what it does to the world how it sits in the world um the, you know, the, the, the shadow it casts in the world and the kind of world that this company is going to be a part of in the future uh, and have a hand in creating. So I do think that's important. I don't know how my team would react if I said, in 1,500 years' time, <laughs> we're going to look like this. I, yeah, I don't know. Anthony, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I'm not sure anybody sets out. Did, did Walt Disney set out to be 100 years old when he set the business up? Did the company in Japan, you know, did they, they set out to be, you know, still going... X amount of, well, certainly over a thousand years later. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's something you set out to do. And, and as Ben said, you, you've, if you're going to for longevity, then you've got to clearly keep reinventing yourself and making sure that you're relevant and making sure that you have a place. And, and, and obviously that's what Disney have done. Um, and, and, and surely as an organisation, you know, from an operation perspective and really from everything that they how they get to the end product, I'm sure that's incredibly different now from 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 the beginning, and, and we know that, right? We know that from the very first films to, to where to, to where we are now. So I think you need the energy, and you need to make sure that you have continual succession planning um, in order to make sure that that you do have that longevity. But I think I think overall, I think it's a really interesting question to ask any entrepreneur: is when you set your business up, what's your plan? Is this long term? to retire is this long term to be handed to the kids or is this a five-year plan grow it to a certain point and sell it and then either retire or do exactly the same again and from the entrepreneurs that, that I've met I mean everybody's got a different story there's one particularly um, that I remember hugely hugely successful entrepreneur and his idea is why would I ever sell one of my businesses why would I ever do that but I think that probably comes from somebody who doesn't really now have to worry about making ends meet, doesn't have to worry about those things, that, um, you know, because clearly um, is, is cash rich. I think for the normal sort of day to day entrepreneur, I think the fact of working toward an exit that can give you quite a big payday is attractive. Um, and having been having sort of gone down that route and been down that route, um, I guess my, my sharings are the grass isn't as green greener on the other side, right? So you do that. And actually, you know, whilst I don't regret doing that, I do miss my old business. There is definitely an element of that um, because then you have to go and reinvent yourself or start again. And it's that. So I guess where I'm going to is energy levels. What energy levels do you have? Because if you're going to keep going for 100 years, you've got to keep reinventing yourself. However, if you're going to, 
build a business for five or 10 years and then exit, make sure it's a big enough exit. You know, otherwise you're going to have to get that energy and go again. Mm, very wise. Um, and I, I think it, yeah, it's a very good point because it reminds us about alignment as well. Um, making sure that everybody in it is in it for the same reason. Um, if, if one of you is in it for legacy and one of you is in it for quick payday, no, that's not going to work, you know. Um, very interesting. Shall we move on? We've gone very philosophical. <laughs> So yeah, you need to raise the I, bar I, now, Ben. You need to raise the bar. Again. Raise the bar. No, not at all. It's very interesting. Um, so yes, my, my my learn. I learned something. And again, we've talked about uh, time, um, but my my learn was about place. And I, you know, I had a, a very fortunate opportunity to go and um, work for a couple of days in a different place um, in the West Country, a little farmhouse. I put a screen and my laptop in the back of the car and we went down to uh, uh, to the West Country. And it was just a, a wonderful reminder. I did the same things as I did you know, generally in my, in my working day. Um, I, I, I logged on and I had meetings and I, again, it's all remote these days, isn't it? So uh, for the most part, so very much my standard working day. But I did notice how differently I thought being in a different place. Um, those little tiny differences in my routine um just sparking different sorts of thoughts different inspirations different ways of being um different perspectives on things that i was dealing with and it just reminded me that that you know, time and place are very connected but place and thinking are very connected and i i do think the place you do the thinking can tangibly affect um, the difference, and I think especially you know, as, as you both know, you know the company I'm, I'm very closely involved with at the minute, leading it, um, is is a team that formed remotely. We've, we've never really made provision for a, a big shared office. Um, it doesn't seem like a sensible use of our our investors' money right now to do that. So we're predominantly remote. But then, of course, that can that can put you in a kind of a bit of a, a cycle, a bit of a rut. You do the same things every day. It, it feels. So I think it, it felt very valuable to me to go and, and do that for a few days because it just unlocked um, different sorts of thinking. Um, what I can't tell you is whether that thinking's better, <laughs> but it was different, and I think different is good. So I don't know. Is that an experience you've had? Do you find the same thing? Does place affect your brain, Mister Moore? It does a lot. I've, you know, I am I'm a big fan of resetting reframing things and when I get stuck and that often involves physically moving sometimes on a small state it's just I now work from home gave up my office last year you know there's actually three weird there's three places I sit in my home and I'm sit in one place I finish a job and then I move so it gives me I like to move because it helps me think I've got my cycling desk so I sit on my cycling desk I pedal like mad and that changes my mood I then sit down. I need quiet time thinking. I then move to the bedroom. So I'm constantly moving around. And I'm reminded of a story. I mentioned this to you guys when we're doing the editorial of Sir Richard Burton, not the actor, but the explorer. Um, he was a remarkable man. And he, uh, he discovered the source of the Nile amongst so many other things. He also studied all the holy scripts in their original language. Um, <laughs> it was remarkable. 
Um, and he was writing seven books at the same time. I remember from, from his biography. Uh, and he had seven different desks. So he would sit at one desk and he would write, this is my thing about uh, the Nile. And then he would write his next one about Confucius. And he would rotate and his desk was that little part. And he's like, almost like he had a, you know, rhetorical hat that he'd put on. And that's why he would think. And he would just, you know, f- move around the desks when he was feeling inspired and write that particular book. Uh, and I just thought, wow, there's something there. There's, that is just, that's just, that's genius in itself. So yeah, change it. I'm a big fan. I do it all the time. Maybe a bit too much. Maybe I should stop walking around and, and moving things and jumping on my desk bikes and stuff, but it works for me. Anthony, what works for you? Well, I was going to, I wasn't ready to answer that question, but I'll answer that question now. Def- definitely what works for me is, um, managing my diary around where I'm going to be. So if I'm in, if, if I know that I've got to travel um, and I drive to certain places or I get the train, making sure that the, the, the tasks are appropriate for, for wherever I am or whatever I'm doing and making sure then when I'm at, in my home office that I'm there being the most productive. So for me, it's a lot about productivity, making sure I'm in the yep. right place to do the right things because clearly some of my calls, I can't be in you know a public environment um, uh, you know, I need to be in a confidential kind of, you know, a lot of the calls I have are confidential, so they need to be in a in a quiet place with nobody overhearing and listening. So I have to be in the right in the right place because of, of the tasks. So that's that's generally my main consideration. But I do see now that I do a little bit more traveling than I've ever done before, the energy I get. And it, and I have to say, and I mean I'm not gonna name any names of of, of cities in um in the UK or beyond. But there are certain cities that give me more energy than others. Isn't it funny that I go to certain places and I just like, oh, my God, my energy level has risen. That I have a connection to the place and I can't explain what that connection is. Even my family say, you know, I got back from summer last Friday and uh, they said my energy was different over the weekend just because I'd got such a, um, a richness from 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 being in a particular place. Um, oh, you have to tell us where now. <laughs> Come on, you can't, you can't. No, because then every wherever else I go, they go. Oh, we're not that place, are we? <laughs> and they're like, well, we're no X. Um, oh, fair so, enough. So, um, but 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 it's interesting, isn't it? So so I'm a massive believer in um, you know even to the point where you know I, I've had various offices. Um, you know, you, you can get a lot of places, can't you, in spaces and spaces and trying here and trying there. I've even changed my recently changed my home office at work, so I've gone from one floor of the house to another floor, um, and it just gives that, that that bit of spark of energy. So if I ever feel that things are getting a little um, stale, then I'll I'll move space or I'll I'll go somewhere else. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, you know, three years ago, what we would have been talking about is, you know actually going to the same office every day whereas it's so so different now and we really have the opportunity ben it was fantastic to see you know when we we're doing our editorial that we're in a different environment and the energy you were getting from there and i think i wonder how we how much we realize now that we we do have that opportunity you can work from anywhere where and why not change it up um because absolutely i remember in the summer being um away for a few days but 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 knowing I had to do two days work and I was just looking over this just this wonderful wild garden and just sitting there and contemplating and thinking about things differently and slowing down 
slowing down to be able to think and come up with things. So, yeah, I think where 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 entrepreneurs, where founders can get an opportunity to change the place, it just it it can, especially if you're in a bit of a slump, it can give you a, a different energy. Mm. I love that. Well, I, I love the fact that it doesn't have to be much of a change of place it could just simply be a different floor of your own house Absolutely. it could be a different seat um and it still delivers something so fascinating i believe we're at time um so i'll do my best to summarize um uh, this week's founder hacks so a ticking clock or a countdown slicing time into manageable manageable chunks can be a powerful tool to offer a tangible sense of progress towards a North Star or a big, hairy, audacious goal. Whether it's as simple as encouraging a child into bed or helping a team appreciate the 50 quarters they have to achieve transformation, could slicing time in that way be a very tangible way to break a massive vision into achievable steps? What does it take for a business to endure? Disney are a hundred years old, from Steamboat Willie to theme parks to Disney Plus. What has it taken? How about a 1,500-year-old company? Is it something you could ever really set out to do? Maybe what we can take is that that openness to reinvention and attracting the people um, over time with the capacity to achieve that may give you the legacy that these businesses now enjoy. Uh, yet maybe it's about culture and the alignment of what your business is for Uh, maybe it's legacy maybe it's exit a payday or a lifestyle all feel like they're possible and there are many examples but making a choice is probably more important than what that choice is and finally does place affect your brain is different thinking always something of inherent value. Whether a move from one seat to another, a different part of the world, or simply seven desks for seven books, could you leverage place to break your patterns and generate newness and energy and discover what that could offer you? A great set of founder hacks, as always. Thank you both. It remains to say, uh, as usual, a a huge thank you to Mr. Alex Moore. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. And a thank you to Anthony Enright. Thank you both. Uh, for all of our listeners please remember if you'd like to find out more about founder hacks or, or get some more founder hacks you can head over to atomics.co.uk slash founder hacks where you can sign up to our newsletter which will notify you when a new episode is available and indeed give you access to our whole library of, uh, of founder hacks that we've recorded together over the past few years until next time uh, i've been ben thomas this has been founder hacks thank you very much indeed for listening